Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits has two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. These guys are locally owned and have a massive selection, carry our personal favorite Breckenridge brews, and offer delivery to your door. Download their app today for incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. If you're really lazy, get the booze delivered. Have beer delivered to your door. Always have the best offers. Look up on the app for deals of the day. You can request products to be ordered into the store. They have free tastings on Fridays from 3 to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 1 to 4 p.m. If a big game is coming up, like maybe the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago, we got opening day before too long, lots of lots of liquor can be delivered to your house. You can go and pick them up. You want those big bulk orders for your party, Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits is where you need to go. So download their app today for incredible deals and sign up for their loyalty program. And go. ball in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. All right. Welcome into another special edition Movie Week podcast here at DNVR. I'm Drew Creaseman. With me for this one is Patrick Lyons because I wanted to give a little bit of special hindsight conversation here to the baseball bracket in particular. Now, I'm going to have at least one more, I think one more big opportunity once this thing has wrapped up to give thoughts on the final bracket, but I wanted to make sure, Patrick, that I got you in here for this conversation, that we did not lose out on your unique expertise, dare I say, of both baseball and uh, the filmography thereof, and maybe even a few thoughts on some of the other ones throughout the bracket, but particularly stuff that didn't get too far that you and I haven't gotten the chance to talk about as Sandlot ended up being the movie that represented the baseball bracket in the final four. Uh, We'll go ahead and leave that one off the table unless you've got a couple. I know you've got some fun facts, so if you want to throw some at us. But let's begin near the end of the bracket because Rookie of the Year never stood a chance against Field of Dreams, and we didn't give it much love in that first conversation. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to give your thoughts on Rookie of the Year. Yeah, that was a movie I saw in theaters, and it, it came out right uh, in, in the sweet spot of my my little league play. So it definitely has a, a super fond place in my heart. I think there's some uh, you know beautiful visuals there, of, of course, of, of Wrigley Field, and I th- I think it stands up 
other than the fact that it's completely hokey and non-believable that you could have a 12 year old kind of magical premise sure exactly but once you get past that right away out of the first 15 minutes you're like okay i'm in on this let's see how he adjusts oh he's got an at bat against another pitcher and shoot he's he's pitching against uh, bobby Bonilla and barry bonds and you see those guys and um, it's it's pretty fantastic in that way, and then how it ties in to you know the wonderful ending where you see him just back being a little boy. Life is normal. He makes the final catch in uh, his league's little World Series, and he raises his hand triumphantly. And there you see the World Series ring that the Chicago Cubs won that season, where he captured <laughs> all this magic and yet lost it at the same time. And and the tie in with his mother. It's kind of ahead of its time, a little woke, if you will saying, hey, look, his mom was a great athlete too. She was the one that was the athlete in the family, not his father. That was the mitt uh, that he was using when he was on the mound. So uh, it's a movie that I think maybe uh, in a different bracket against against other sports films or even just with a slightly better seating, we could have seen it possibly win its, its first round matchup. Yeah, I think the mom is my favorite character in that movie. And also, shout out to Gary Busey as the Rocket. Uh, it, it's a pretty <laughs> solid flick. I agree that it holds up. It's got some great lines. Uh, there are a lot of great lines about the Cubs losing the guy who plays the kind of fallen out of touch owner who talks about, oh, well, you know, you just sort of get used to it after a while. <laughs> Yeah, you got John Candy as as the announcer, kind of in that Bob Uecker role um, that we see in, in Major League. And uh, Daniel Stern is fantastic as the hitting coach. So I think it, it touches on a lot of good tropes. And, you know, I, I think maybe because, uh, you know, the, the lead actor, Thomas Ian Nicholas, you know, didn't really grow up to become a, a, a notable actor other than, you know, being in American Pie. Uh, it might be a film that, that people forget. Uh, and again, you got a 16th seed, and I think that's relatively fitting. But it's definitely one that if, if you haven't seen a lot of baseball films, I think you'll go back and watch, and it'll it'll really, you know, tug at your heartstrings. And I think um, it's, it's really enjoyable for a lot of people. The 15th seed was Hardball which went down to Moneyball in the first round. I, I gave it a lot of love in our opening podcast. Did you have anything you wanted to add about this Keanu Reeves uh, <laughs> heartbreaker of a film? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I I like Keanu Reeves, but there was nothing about him that that uh, in that film that made me believe he would have anything to do with baseball. I, I understand. I, I think I've seen clips here and there, uh, the circumstances in which he ended up having to, you know, I think he, he was forced to to coach the the team, and and I, I think I've seen yeah a little little heartbreaking ending that was going on in it, and it's one that I I think again because of uh, you know the brilliance of this this movie bracket. Uh, concept that uh, I will have to go back and watch, but in in the battle of the the ball films, yeah, Moneyball definitely, you know, and rightfully so comes out ahead. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, now, and here's where we really start to make your point because the 14 seed was 42, which I felt like was fair if you're doing, you know, from a movie critic standpoint, or if you're trying to be really objective about sort of the quality of the baseball in the movie and, you know, how close was it to certain real events. But at the same time, the heart of the story of 42 is so good. The story of Jackie Robinson at its very core is just 
so worth taking in that this is one of those like if it's ever on, I'm just I'm gonna watch it. Yeah, it's it tells the story uh, in a much more modern way for new baseball fans. You know, it's you know we keep coming back to you know films and and books written about Babe Ruth and written about Jackie Robinson, and you you think it gets old, but it's you want to see the different takes that different generations have on it. And we learn different pieces of information. And as our society changes and our, you know, the, the way we go about living our everyday lives, we kind of gain a new respect and an understanding and appreciation for the things that players like, again, George Herman Ruth, Jackie Roosevelt Robinson. And I think 42 does a really good job of, of trying to, you know, show that for uh, a new generation. When this film came out, I was actually a little league baseball coach and had a bunch of eight to, to 12 year olds. And the other coaches on the team, you know, were discussing like, I really would like to take my son to this game, but I'm worried it's going to be, you know, a little too intense. And there was, you know, some discussion over that and, and ultimately the rating that it got and certain language that was in it. But again, I think that's all a part of baseball and passing down the sport and passing down any sport really to any generation and saying, look, here's the reality of things of what, you know, life was like back in, in the forties and, and, and previously prior to that. And, you know, opening up a dialogue to try to understand, you know, how we've evolved as a society, particularly here in America and, you know, I think 42 does a good job for, as I said, the next generation to um, get introduced to, you know, how great Jackie Robinson was, not as necessarily as a baseball player. He, he was fantastic. He's in the Hall of Fame just for his uh, baseball abilities, but for what he did socially, um, not just for baseball, but for the, you know, the black rights movement. So it, it's, uh, it's a fantastic film, no doubt about it. Yeah, I have little, th and it's funny because like there, I have little nitpicks about the movie that when you're like, well, it really is a powerful statement about the beautiful game and serious race relations in the history of the country. And I'm like, yeah, but there's an edit where he steals a base where he takes off after the pitch is thrown. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there are certain baseball things that, that throw me off in that movie, but you're right. Like there's so beside the point, especially if it's something you're taking, you know, kids to see. Uh, the 13th seed was for Love of the Game, which we did a whole podcast about that in Bull Durham. The 12th seed was The Pride of the Yankees, which I haven't seen since I was like five. And threw, we threw one here as, as sort of a classic pick. Do you have The Pride of the Yankees thoughts other than, you know, the classic speech? Yeah, or no, go to the classic speech. <laughs> what do I know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's no, it's a film. You're right. I, I probably haven't seen it in uh, a couple decades, but it was a film that would be on television a lot back when, you know, the, the internet wasn't uh, everywhere around yeah. us and it would be Sunday afternoon, you know, especially uh, before the guys, uh, you know, report down to spring training. You're, you're thinking about baseball. You, you can't wait for, for winter to, to wrap up and you started seeing the baseball movies come out. And this would be one in which, you know, I turn it on, you see Gary Cooper and it's very similar to 61 where, you know, when you think of what Roger Maris looks like, you might accidentally be picturing uh, Barry Pepper. So when you think of Lou Gehrig, you may accidentally uh, be imagining Gary Cooper in this role. So right. uh, it's, it's fantastic. It, it's probably one of the best older films 
Um, there are baseball movies that came out before Pride of the Yankees, but uh, if you want to go see a film that's, you know, now it's 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 almost eighty years old. This would probably be the best uh, film from that that early early genre of uh, of the speakies, as they as they would say back then. Indeed, ah, uh, the speakies, <laughs> the the talkies, <laughs> the talkies. Uh, yes, excuse me. <laughs> I was say, I think speakeasies is something else. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so number eleven was a personal favorite of mine that I somehow almost forgot to include in the conversation when we were putting this bracket together, and that was Angels in the Outfield, uh, another one that was a brutal first round exit. Uh, I, I think, again, just because of how many good baseball movies there are and it being, you know, the second best kids baseball movie uh, or, or family friendly sort of, you know, in that category, really more aimed at a younger audience. Um, but still a classic. I mean, it, it this is a movie that you break it down. Is it, you know, the most profound filmmaking ever? No, but we all remember little Joseph Gordon-Levitt flapping his arms around. Yeah. Uh, and and if you kept your eyes totally dry when the whole stadium comes to life at the end, flapping the angels for poor Tony Danza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. Then I'd suggest you warm up a little bit because this is quality um, romantic filmmaking in my mind like it's trying to tug at your heartstrings and if you don't let it then fine but angels in the outfield man yeah pretty good it's a definite disney film obviously like like you said it's it's well orchestrated and and choreographed to hit all of those right notes and there there's uh there's so many good little you know easter eggs and stuff in it obviously young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who went on to have this amazing career that's still going on. Adrian Brody, Matthew McConaughey, you know, yeah. and it's, 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 it's amazing like that. I, the thing that I, I love most about it is, you know, Christopher Lloyd's character, specifically from the fact that his name is Al, because, you know, back in, in the early to mid nineties, uh, the umpires had each, each had their own league. There was no gigantic uh, umpires union like there is today where they, they'll uh, just go to any city a- across the U.S. It was you were either an American League ump or an NL ump. And so you either had the NL on your cap as an umpire or the, the AL. So it was kind of very fitting that his name would be Al since you know that's what, what the umpires had there on their head. The, uh, the thing that I don't think might have been mentioned in the, uh, the original podcast for this film was that because Disney at the time had purchased the uh, Los Angeles Angels, um, as they were called at that time, uh, amongst the million other different iterations there were, <laughs> there but they came up with this very Disney-esque logo and kind of changed the colors to this like powder blue and had this interesting looking A with uh, with an angel wing, you know, coming off the end, and it was very uh, short-lived. Uh, especially during their their ownership at the time, but that was kind of one of the the first opportunities we we got to to see that 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 new logo and that new iteration for the Angels franchise. Yeah, it's got a lot of classic moments in it too, and so I I, I think it's one that holds up as well, just maybe not as well as Sandlot. Apparently, it, sure. <laughs> clearly, people have decided. Um, yeah. So. 
Of course, none of the kids in the Rookie of the Year or Angels in the Outfield are quite old enough to enjoy themselves a nice Breckenridge brew. But if you're listening to this, you probably are. And if you are, you should check them out. I've been having the strawberry sky again lately, just yearning for summer to return. I'm ready for it. Uh, the, The beer reminds me of it. Of course, you know you can get all of our favorite Breckenridge brews at Blake Street Tavern right down there, just a couple of blocks from Coors Field. One of the best places to take in a game, grab yourself a Breckenridge brew. I get some great food deals they've got there at BST. You don't want to miss out on any opportunity to spend some time in Denver, to spend some time loving your sports, drinking, eating, uh, and if you're doing it with Breck, Roo- Breck Brew and Blake Street Tavern, then you're doing it right. All right let's get back to the list here. Uh, 10 was another one that we already discussed. I'm, I don't have it right in front of me. All of a sudden, I'm missing it. But I'm going to jump to our 8-9 matchup, which was uh, rookie the rookie versus eight men out, which I felt like the rookie versus eight men out was a bit of a toss-up. Um, the rookie won handily. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that has a lot to do with the fact that it's a Disney movie that a lot more people have seen. Um, but I do think it also holds up really well. Like I get full on teary cry eyed when the manager calls Dennis Quaid into his office and tells him he's getting the call as much as anybody. Um, a couple of thoughts on the rookie. I do think it's about 40 minutes longer than it needs to be. And I don't think I, I don't like the part where, uh, his wife sort of starts to doubt him. There's enough doubt in the movie. I do. I mean, she comes around, but I'm like, all right, all right. His dad doesn't believe in him. The town doesn't believe in him. None of the young players believe in him. It, that's enough. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, the stuff that it does well, it does very well. Yeah, number ten was uh, sixty-one, and uh, and as you guys, as you said, it, it seemed like this was going to be a tough one to call. You know, Eight Men Out, the old school film, you know, from the 80s, The Rookie, a more, you know, modern baseball classic. And as we saw all throughout the movie's bracket competition, it was more of the modern films that ended up winning out. You know, one that that tells the story, a very small story about one man, you know, kind of overcoming the odds in a sense. Yes, he was, you know, drafted. you know, by the Brewers in the eighties. In fact, he was a college teammate of, of Rockies outfielder Els Burks. And so he had a, a pedigree. He just happened to step away from the game due to injuries and, and of course life getting in the way as it does. But it's a story just about him overcoming that versus eight men out talking about, you know, the the seminal baseball scandal that we had uh back in uh nineteen nineteen and it was uh you know the the modern classic ends up winning out the one that you can kind of maybe relate more and root for more and, and watch numerous times because you might not be going through looking for, you know, various um, elements in, in the film that are inaccurate, which there were plenty of those in eight men. Right. Whereas the rookie, you know, uh, all you got to do is, is, is just make sure he throws with the right hand and, you know, have Royce <laughs> Clayton in there and, and uh, he's playing on the Rays. Okay, cool. We're good. Uh, and you're just there for the film. And the, again, the right. fact that it was it was made by Disney obviously is is going to help uh, a lot in that right. way too. 
Yeah. And, and it, this was a little, it was a tough one for me because I think you're right. I do think the rookie is, is more relatable in that way, but uh, there's there some real powerhouse acting in eight men out from John Cusack yeah. and even uh, Charlie Sheen is good in that. Um, Evie Sweeney. This guy that plays the pitcher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, they're, they're both really good. And I, I hope people will check out eight men out if they, haven't seen it. Like you said, um, don't take it as um, a 100% factual retelling of that story. Right. But um, a, a lot of the big sort of bullet points it, it tends to get. And um, I also like it as sort of a companion piece for field of dreams. If you want to, you know, get the other side of the, the black sock scandal, which plays such a huge role in that movie and, and get another version of, shoeless Joe Jackson that you get a sense for how he got caught up in this whole thing. Yeah. Great point. And those, those films came out around the time when, you know, Pete Rose is going through, you know, his gambling scandal and there, there's this lifetime ban. And of course the, we, we remember um, again through Elliot Asanoff's, you know, book eight men out. We remember the black Sox scandal in 1919. And, and just like field of dreams is a companion piece with, with eight men out um, well put on that drew is, are the books that go along with it. Like I said, Asanoff's book, you can read good, that. Good um, again, there's uh, Jacob Pomeranke, um, who um, he's a board member of the national saber um, association that we have uh, that you and I are both members of. Um, he has, has uh, released something uh, in, in the recent uh, past kind of uh, uncovering new pieces of information, uh, different things that uh, uh, Asanoff had gotten wrong. It's now you know close to 60 years later um, since the book was originally published. And you can also go back and read uh, the novel that Field of Dreams is based on. Um, it was, of course... Um, the author is is escaping me. W.P. Kinsella. Kinsella, yeah. yeah. Right, and that's that's of course like, uh, like from the movie. Yeah. That's right, uh, and it's it's a fantastic book. It's called Shoeless Joe, and uh, I recommend every baseball fan, uh, even if you're just a cinephile and you you appreciate Field of Dreams, it's a great uh, book to read. Obviously, there are different things that were changed in the film. James Earl Jones' character, uh, of course, is J.D. Salinger in the book. Kevin Costner, Ray Kinsella, uh, again, different name. He has a twin brother in the film. How's that for, for being like yeah. mind blowing? <laughs> you got to read that book. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, Kinsella gonna, has, yeah. has a lot of other really interesting um, books uh, centered around baseball that I recommend folks to go out there. So again, if, if you're like, oh man, this, this movie's bracket is, is going to be all over. Uh, that was fun while it lasted. It can continue going on and we can continue to have those conversations. If you didn't get a chance to see some of these films, or if you haven't read any of the books that these films are based on, we definitely recommend you go out there and do that. Absolutely. And we got to get back to talk about movies, but whatever it's our podcast, we can do what we want. <laughs> My family got me the uh, Tyler Kepner uh, K for yep. Christmas. So I'll be taking that to History. spring training. I'll be reading that. History of baseball in 10 pitches. It's fantastic. You'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. So number seven was a uh, league of their own, which we did a whole podcast on that. And so we've got to spend some time on the number six seed, which was major league, which I know is a lot of people's favorite baseball movie. It went down in the second round of Sandlot, an early victim of the eventual champion of the bracket. <laughs> uh, it, 
in a tough spot here. I think, you know, people were mad about the seating. Of course, people are always going to be mad about the seating, but it is a classic. It's probably maybe next to a league of their own or right there with a league of their own, the most quoted movie in the bracket. Undoubtedly, undoubtedly. And, you know, you understand why people would be upset about this film going out so early. But I think that really just belabors the point about how great baseball films can be and how many of them exist. Football was the only other bracket that we had an entire region devoted to. Basketball and hockey, they had to share one. Um, We had, you know, just the miscellaneous category in the extra region. But baseball films are just so iconic with you know, films in general. And, you know, you, you look and, and, and not to get too, too far ahead, but when you see what the final four was, it's, it was all of the top four seats. There were no real upsets in there at all. And you know, that I that, felt vindicated by that. Yeah. That's a testament. That's a testament to uh, the seating committee, which you were the, uh, the president of. So yeah, that uh, kudos to you for that. Um, but it, it, it also shows, you know, that I think a lot of baseball fans are on the same page that you know these films are just iconic and and as you 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 see them over time you know the order might change ever so slightly but the the great films are are the great films and you know we'll, we'll get into the sandlot debate later but um so so kudos to you and and kudos to all the baseball fans that that went out and, and voted in this bracket and it, it was disappointing to see major league go out so early but um, that's one. Maybe if, if you do it all over again and in a different way, we could see Major League getting to the finals too. Oh, absolutely! I mean, it's just it's one of the things I love about it so much is for being at its heart an off the wall comedy. It's not like Kale and I did the episode about Caddyshack and Dodgeball. It's not that. Like you still, by the end of Major League, care about this ragtag group of misfit yeah. toys that were put together specifically to lose. And you want them to win. You care about Jake's knees and you want him to get the girl and you want to sh- them to shove it down the owner's face. And you want for, um, uh, you want the announcers to be happy because they've just been drinking whiskey the whole movie. <laughs> and, and you want uh, Randy Quaid, not Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid was the rookie. You want Randy Quaid, to have to eat his words the whole movie. Oh, they're gonna blow it. You, the whole, like all of it. It, and I think that's what's so great. It captures all of the baseball stuff, the weirdos on the team, the different kinds of fans. The opener is perfect, where they're going around and all the different people in the city speaking all different kinds of languages, working all different kinds of jobs, checking their ball club, going, "Who are these effing guys?" <laughs> It, it, yeah, it definitely captures the the vibe of what it was like being a, a Cleveland fan back then, and you know the the or film, a Rockies fan right now. <laughs> you said it, brother. Uh, you know, and and it's such an iconic film too. Again, only a six seed, but it's such an iconic film that it actually spawned two sequels. You know, Sandlot did the same right. too, but those those were not uh, theater released; those were straight to to DVD. Whereas Major League, the 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 two that came after the original, they, they were actually released in, in theater. So um, it's kind of fitting that those two had to go um, head-to-head there in the second round. Yeah, it almost got into the top five, but it was just a bit outside. 
Sorry. Hey now. Sorry. You're waiting all week for that, right? I, I just, <laughs> just, just my moment. It was actually entirely 100% my own personal bias that it was outside of the top five. And I recognize that, that if almost anyone else had been the president of the committee, it probably would have been five at the lowest. And what ended up in fifth, my own personal favorite film in the entire bracket, Sugar, uh, would not have been there. But other people are, you know, free to make their own brackets if they want. And <laughs> I also challenge anybody to watch the movie and tell me that it is not phenomenal and that it doesn't belong in this class. You don't have to like it better than Major League or a league of their own. But uh, I think mostly here people hadn't seen it. And it did get out of the first round. It also got smashed in the second round by Bull Durham. But and Major League, I, would have, I, the same thing would happen for Major League, though. So right. even if that, that, that's absolutely two, right, it's that's right. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Although a, that would it's, be interesting, but yeah, yeah. Major League versus Bull Durham. I think it had done a little bit better, but I think you're right. I think it had gotten pretty well waxed. Yeah, I mean, and, and you could have had Angels in the outfield, possibly topping Sugar in that case, and then you'd have Angels in the outfield Probably. versus Sandlot. So again, this was any any way that you cut this up, it was going to be interesting, and there were going to be right. these parallels between the two films, kind of going neck and neck. And you know, Sugar is is a great film um, to put out there. And as the guy who orchestrated this, it's it was your right and your right alone to go ahead and say, you know, what, I'm I'm gonna um, bump this one up a little bit and, and, and give it a five seed because of, uh, how much you believe in it and because of how powerful that story is. And it's one that, again, it just gets overlooked. There's, there's nothing about the name, about the title alone that makes you think this is a baseball film. You're going, you're going to miss it. You're going to completely miss it. If, if you are, you know, um, not, not totally uh, in touch with, with some of the things that are on the periphery of baseball, the things that are on the edges. And ultimately for, for what we do at, at DNVR, we, we have to be aware of, of all of those things, um, in and around the outskirts, whether it's, you know, strange minor league baseball promotions or, um, different investments that, uh, the Rockies, uh, are making and in, in analytics or, uh, in the international market. And, you know, I think, uh, sugar, in particular, touches on what it's like uh, for a player coming from an international market and being a Latin American player coming to America. So um, I, I give you all the credit in the world for um, for believing in that. And uh, yeah, again, it was justified. It did win its first round matchup, uh, and rightfully so. I, I also think there's something to be said for you know the sports film that decides not to make itself follow the the formula of either the ragtag group or the individual that no one believes in that wins in the end, whether they win the actual game or they win the battle inside themselves and lose the game. Most sports films follow that formula and sugar does not. And I think in an exceptionally powerful way. Yeah, it does. It, and, and you know, it's, it's a way better film than my kind of, favorite unknown baseball movie it's called talent for the game and i recommend any you know baseball fan to go out and watch it's edward james almost he's a he's a scout in california who discovers a kid on a backfield it's it said modern day baseball in the early 90s it, it does get off the rails a little bit but there are some amazing baseball scenes in there that if you if you stick around all the way until the end you will definitely be rewarded so 
Sugar is way better than Talent for the Game, my kind of you know secret favorite baseball film. And uh, I, I was really glad to see it win. I was really glad to see it win its first matchup. I'm going to have to check that out. And you should check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Located in Lakewood, they are the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. They're extreme Colorado sports fans, just like all of us. You schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush, too. So that's just too awesome to pass up. Green Mountain Dental treats you like family. They send out birthday cards. They're a longtime DNVR partner. They show us love, so you got to show them some love. They're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. you got to take care of your mouth anyway. No one loves going to the dentist. Maybe you do. If you do, you're going to love these guys. If you're like me and you're a little bit reluctant, you'd rather be in a place where they're going to treat you like family. They're going to love sports. They're going to talk to you about baseball. They're going to make you comfortable. That's really important to me. That's what they do with Green Mountain Dental Group. So remember to, if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental, you will get a free Sonicare toothbrush today. It's worth it just for that, the toothbrush alone. And I promise once you meet these guys, you won't want to have your dentistry done anywhere else. All right. Now I want to open the floor to you to discuss what you will of the top four. We did do an episode on Bull Durham, but there's always more to say uh, about Bull Durham. And then number three, Sandlot, will get plenty of uh, discussion and attention as we do the final uh, although it didn't, it I don't think I think it just wrapped up and it didn't make the final. I believe our final is going to be Miracle versus Remember the Titans. Uh, so despite the strength of the baseball bracket, couldn't get a baseball movie into uh, the very final matchup. But the one and two, Field of Dreams and Moneyball, and I do think that Field of Dreams is maybe the best sports movie ever made. Um, I, I want to throw it out to you for your thoughts on those. And I know you've got all kinds of fun facts and opinions. And I know that you are intimately familiar with all four of these movies as any good baseball man would be. Very intimate, very intimate with all of these films. <laughs> very, very, very intimate. <laughs> I was very disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I was very disappointed uh, that Sandlot, you know, got got ousted there by Miracle. But hey, we're in the midst of hockey season. Avalanche fans are amazing uh they've been very supportive of me and, and all my coverage of uh, the colorado eagles and uh, right they've adopted me too so we can't yeah. just yell at them yeah <laughs> that's right no no hey you yeah they uh, they slayed you know my favorite beast uh as the sandlot may be my my favorite baseball film mm. of all time but you know the, the final four there uh in that baseball bracket there they are just quintessential baseball movies moneyball was a film that you kind of got me to uh, to change my mind on because my original take on it was that it was this fantastic classic, you know, baseball book that uh, I've gone back to read uh, probably three times now just to kind of see if there's anything that, that I had missed or it just, you know, makes you reevaluate the way you watch the game of baseball and how, well, it feels like you're watching it the right way, but what if you're not, what else can you learn or what else are we not thinking about? Uh, what what else you know should be gleaned from the game that um, where you can get value somewhere where someone else isn't appreciating it and and the book does an amazing job of that and the film can't really capture statistics you know what I mean that's uh, right. that that can't translate so 
you know, that was, uh, it is what it is when it first came out, but you, you know, you kind of pressed me on that. I went back and watched and I said, wow, you know what, that, that's a beautiful film. Um, I, I loved how it ended. I, I loved all the parts in, in between the, the baseball scenes. It was very, it was a bit evocative of the natural, uh, with the lighting that they had, you know, not, not true, mm-hmm. um, truly lit up for, for Hollywood. You know, they had those shadows in the, in the corners of the dugouts and, um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful film. So, uh, I'm glad you put it as high as you did. Sandlot, uh, was one, uh, I, I was not on that, that podcast and that film is just timeless. It really is. It's, it's a, just a fantastic film. I can't get enough of it. I, I even went back and, and watched the sequel, uh, to it, which there were no uh, carryover characters other than Edward James, Earl, um, excuse me, James Earl Jones. Yeah, uh, I almost forgot that there was a sequel. Yeah, there was a so third one too. Then, then they really? did a yeah, third one. Again, all, all straight Terrible. to DVD. Um, sure, but it's it's fantastic, and you know, even when we hit the 25th anniversary not too long ago, you can just see how much baseball fans love it. The Milwaukee Brewers, they did a whole little viral campaign right. where, uh, you know, Christian Yelich is Benny the Jet Rodriguez and, and Stephen Vogt is uh, the great Hambino and yeah. uh, just, just fantastic. Um, you've got, you know, the Roosevelt's, they, they do uh, this amazing job uh, coming up with all this different gear centered around uh, the film and, and the characters. And, and there's even talk right now that they're going to, do a little uh, spinoff. I think it'll be on Disney Plus, I believe. Um, and they're going to get most of the cast back. The only one that they're not going to get back, in fact, is Benny the Jet. Um, yeah. Who, who incidentally, uh, you, you, you pumped me up full of, uh, uh, of all these fun facts. Okay, well, here's a fun fact. The director uh, did the voiceover for the entire film. And um, the adult who played Benny Rodriguez, who stole home, that was the young oh, yeah. actor's older brother. So those oh, cool. are some of the fun little, those are some of the fun little takeaways um, from the Sandlot a film. I could talk all day about We'll We'll, we'll cut it short. I know. It, it really is great and classic though. It's, it's not my personal favorite. I do guffaw at anyone who says that, Oh, it's only nostalgia that got, there were a lot of movies in the bracket that people could have voted for just based on nostalgia. Sandlot's a special movie that sticks in people's hearts and there's a difference. And while it's not my own personal favorite, it absolutely belonged in the final four. Um, it, I, it could have belonged. If it had gone on to win the whole thing, I would have felt perfectly happy about that. If, if happy Gilmore had gone on to win the whole thing, I would have been. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Sandlot uh, is, is really just the, the baseball equivalent of mighty ducks and mighty ducks again has that, right you know, has its, its, its passionate fans out there, uh, in, in the hockey community and, you know, Sandlot, you know, essentially the same thing. And if you look at the other three films in, you know, the ballpark region, they're all, they're all films for adults, you know, field of dreams about a man coming to grips with the relationship he never really had with his father and Bull Durham about, uh, a man, also Kevin Costner um, coming to grips with, <laughs> with the end of his career and, and how he's going to continue to give back to the, the game of baseball. And, uh, and Moneyball is, is kind of very similar taken from the perspective of Billy Bean looking and trying to, you know, get, uh, get blood from a stone and, and just try to create something out of nothing, which uh, ultimately he does. He doesn't win the world series. He doesn't win the big game. Um, 
but he does the improbable with the Oakland A's. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad you've come around on Moneyball a bit because I do think that that's the key. Like you've got to see the book and the mm-hmm. movie as different things. And, and I know that there were people who really couldn't get behind the book because it left out, you know, certain real elements from real life. And it's like, yes, you know, like, like Barry Zito and Tim Hudson, for example, but they're telling a very specific story. And I think when you step back and like you said, look at Moneyball that way and go, Oh wow. This really is about this man's struggle to do something new when nobody believes in him. It's uh it's really especially compelling. And I love the relationship he has with his daughter Yeah, uh, in the movie, especially. And there are just so many great individual scenes. AJ and I did the best speeches of all time. And there aren't any um, like, you know, the coach gives the big speech, but there are a lot of great individual moments, like when he's talking to the scouts or when he goes to meet with the owner of the Red Sox. And these scenes, I think, are going to hold up forever and ever. And people are going to look back on them and go, wow, that really was a powerful statement to be making at the time. Yeah. It's these fantastic snapshots that you don't see in any other film, like, like behind the scenes where you go, wait a minute, you're, you're essentially an employee of the athletics, but you're going and talking with the owner of the Red Sox. And it, it's not, that's not a big deal. It's just, that's just business, you know, right. and, and, and talking in a room full of scouts about doing business differently and looking at the game in different ways. And, um, you know, um, the manager, uh, ultimate art, Howe, um, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman saying, Hey, look, I'm a, I'm a lame duck. I only have one year left on my deal. What, you know, you gotta, you know, invest in me and, and give me a little bit of confidence and you go, Oh wow. That's something I hadn't maybe considered as a sports fan, whether you it's, it's baseball or, or football, basketball, hockey, like what does it mean when your manager is on just a one year deal? It's one thing for players wow. who are going to go into free agency and, and, essentially make more money. But what does that mean for a member of the coaching staff? So all these snapshots really add up in, in, in such a fantastic way that we haven't really seen on film. That's why, like you said, there's the book and the film are two separate things. And the film again, has those snapshots, has those moments that we really don't get to see in any other baseball film. I also love its use of either stock footage or stock audio rather than having too many times when they have to have their actors uh, act out the baseball or even have, and, and it's, you know, you can only do this when your story is newer and they were able to, (laughs) and it's going to work like this, but they could just cut to footage of actual games or like use audio of actual Joe Morgan talking about this stuff, not working. And people can't say like, Oh, it's so unbelievable. The people that weren't believing in it, like, no, that stuff Joe Morgan actually said. (laughs) Yeah, and you could see in the background when he's he's exercising in the gym, it's on, it's on the television. So it it really uh, gives an air of believability that that certain other films you know can't really replicate. Yeah. And then I wanted to just give a few more thoughts on uh, Field of Dreams. Like I said, my own personal favorite, and and a lot of that is you know a personal attachment to it. I didn't have a, a bad relationship with my father. In fact, I had an excellent relationship with my father, but. Um, it's, it's tough to watch the end of that movie and not just totally break down and, and recognize, you know, all the ways in which, yes, it uses very magical premises and there's a lot of 
weird silliness, but how much that really is just a, about baseball being a game that connects us with generations, sometimes of family and, and people in the past that maybe we've never met or um, never been close to. And uh, I, I think it's a really, really powerful statement. I also just think it's really well made. Oh, no doubt. My, my, uh, give a shout out to my family member, my uncle Tom, who anytime it's on TV, he's watching it and he's crying and, uh, you know, he he tries to be a tough guy, but man, that film just gets to him. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a fantastic movie to, to investigate and uh, a lot of behind the scenes things about that film because it's so iconic and it just goes on and on. Dwyer Brown, who was the actor who played John Kinsella. So. Uh, Ray's father that he gets to have a, a catch with at the end right. um, wrote a fantastic book in, in 2014 called if you build it all about you know his relationship with his dad he didn't he didn't have a, a as great of a relationship with his father like you and I um, have and you know it wasn't until after he makes this film and after his career kind of fizzles out a little bit that he goes and, and kind of realizes like wow you know what I, I I got lucky like I have this gift that that people that, you know, will come up to me and, and they'll recognize me as John Kinsella and, and they're going to, they want to have a catch with me and they want to, you know, uh, interact and, uh, and replay that scene of like, Hey dad, you want to have a game of catch? And it allowed him to, to become mm. a lot closer with his father. And, and again, if you build it is uh, is a fantastic memoir about his life and, and the filming of that, that movie and how, when they came to Iowa, there was, you know, they, there was a drought going on and how they had to spray paint the field green and um, all the little yeah. tricks of the trade when they say, hey, we got to have these, you know, line of cars come in. And so it looks like all these people are driving and then they get on the walkie talkies to to get everybody to drive. And it's just it's a traffic jam. You you can't get all those cars when they're bumper to bumper like that to just move simultaneously. So as they, they get their helicopter shot, they just have their headlights. They say, just flash them on and off on and off. And even yeah. knowing that when you watch that final scene as it as it pans away and you see all the people finally coming to his farm, you you don't get the sense that oh, I, now I can see what's happening. It's it's still that movie magic. It's still believable. Um they still do come to the field and uh it will be so exciting this October when they have the Field of Dreams game, the Yankees against the it's White Sox be in Dyersville. And it's going to be know, amazing. It's, it's, it's still six months off in, in the future. And, you know, as we get closer, the excitement's only going to build and build. But if you're unaware of that, look into that. They're going to, they're going to have this, this permanent field there in this facility. And it's, uh, it's just amazing. And again, it's, it's all thanks to this wonderful film field of dreams. Yeah. I, there's I wanted to point out one scene because AJ and I did the, you know, the big speeches. Of course, everybody knows the, you know, people will come Ray speech. And and we talked all about that. It's this great metaphor for the whole thing, but I wanted a different baseball metaphor. I wanted, this was always one of our favorites as a family. We would use the, the line out of context, but if you've watched the film, you'll understand it. I think this is one of those things that's like baseball and life. It's a perfect example. And it's when they've, you know, gone and gotten Moonlight Graham and he, he gets to be a rookie and he finally gets out there for the at bat. And the first two are 
up and in, or the first three are up and in, whatever it is. And so he goes to talk to Ray Liotta, Shoeless Joe Jackson, and he's trying to give him a little baseball advice. And he says, all right, so the first couple were up and in. What do you think the next one's going to be? And the kid says, well, either loan away or in my ear. <laughs> Shoeless Joe looks at him and he says, well, he's not going to want to load the bases. So look for low and away. And the kid starts to walk back to the plate and he says, hey, rookie. He turns around and he says, watch out for in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is just look for low and away, but watch out for in your ear is I think the perfect symbol for this game yes. and oftentimes for life. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That And that's that's not one that a lot of people, you know, will remember from that film or um, to consider, you know, uh, a great way to encapsulate the sport of baseball. But um, you hit the nail on the head with that one. And it's um, it, that's now a memorable scene to me now for you because you pointed that out to me. So that's that's really cool. I think there are a few of those out. We got to do a movie night sometime at DNVR. We all get together, watch movies. It'll be fun. But Patrick, man, thank you so much for taking the time to wrap up the baseball movie bracket. I did not want the world to be without your thoughts on these films, because I think you, uh, I think you think and feel about a lot of these movies as do I, the way a lot of the fans out there did. And the baseball bracket was just two days into it. (laughs) (laughs) These really good movies that we just talked about were dead. And so I'm glad we were able to take the time here to, to give them a little love. Yeah, it was heartbreaking seeing some of them go out so early, but at the same time, the ones that were continuing on, you knew they were going to do really well and, and go deep. So it was it was fantastic. It was fun and uh, really, really glad to be a part of this as always. All right. Make sure everyone out there, you're following us on all the social media. You're subscribing to everything. You know what to do. Just make sure you're having a good time. For Patrick Lyons, I've been Drew Creaseman, and we will see you next time. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer like entire team instruction and fitness programs you know the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge positive attitude work ethic and fun that their summer camps provide your child will want to play on one of their teams check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more